It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right. And uh, anybody on the uh, East Coast, Northeast, I hope you're uh, doing all right, man. We've been getting hammered with the snow. But uh, I keep saying spring is it's, it's almost here. It's, it's almost here. That's all I can say. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. I'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Uh, just go to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting uh, the story of Tom Molino told. Uh, this guy uh, should be uh, getting way more credit, in, in, in not only in the history of boxing, but uh, you know, just American history, black American history. I mean, this is a guy that's virtually forgotten, and uh, you shouldn't. I mean, he's an important figure. Uh, from uh, our historical past. So make sure you get a copy of the book. Looking to get a couple of copies? Want to give a few away for uh, gifts? Well, don't worry about it. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and I'll hook you up. And uh, if you're just looking to get a signed copy, just click the book on the website, BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we got episode two of Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. I think I got it right. And uh, this episode will feature a dream matchup between former world heavyweight champions and former uh, Hall of Famers or current uh, Boxing Hall of Famers. Uh, puts uh, Jack Dempsey up against Evander Holyfield. Now, this was a request by one of you guys. So uh, we'll be getting to that a little bit later. Uh, Sal and uh, Dax and Alex and myself uh, will uh, give you all uh, we can give on that fight. Uh, we got a bunch of emails uh, to catch up on with from yesterday as well as some new ones. So we're going to get rolling with that. But uh, but Foist, um, I'll tell you what, this uh, PED scandal, it's becoming a scandal for Canelo Alvarez. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, opinions now uh, are starting to come out 
with the thought that Canelo has basically been a cheater for a while and that this isn't uh, an isolated incident. As a matter of fact, the news that came out that he tested positive uh, for the uh, performance-enhancing drug, which Team Canelo claims was uh, in tainted beef uh, that they ate in Mexico, um, the truth of the matter was it was uh, brought out uh, yesterday that he failed two tests leading up to him moving his training camp from Mexico uh, to the United States. And Abel Sanchez, Triple G's trainer, is steaming over it. And he made some statements yesterday that we're going to get to in a second. But first, we got to get to my main man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, I hope you're doing okay today. Question, do you think Canelo has been... uh, Kind of stretching the rules a bit. I mean, it, it came out yesterday that this test that he failed was actually two tests that he failed. I mean, what do you think? You know, I I don't know what uh, what to think. I'm a little surprised, shocked, and under. Um, I can't believe it. It's incredible. But you know, as I often said, Bill, the media stimulates the news. It doesn't just report it. And henceforth, here we, here we are, 24 hours later. And uh, there's all kinds of rhetoric and all kinds of uh, valid points being made and trying to investigate this thing and see how deep and how far back it may have gone. And, uh, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I'd hate to think that he's been doing things like this all along under the radar. But uh, you never know. You never know. And I'll tell you what. If that was the case and is the case, and I'm not surely, I'm not suggesting it has been. The hey, case. don't call me Shirley, buddy. <laughs> Shirley, hey, listen, <laughs> listen, I'll call you Billy. But the the bottom line is, Bill, I, you know, it's going to be something if it is true. And now that he's not going to be using any substance, I'm, I'm just suggesting. I'm not saying it is. I don't have no clue. I think it would get into his own psyche because if you're doing something like that, you almost become dependent on a suggested value that, well, this has helped me. This has gone here. This has gone there. And then if you stop taking it, it's like, oh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own again or whatever. You don't know. I, I don't know. But the bottom line is I'd hate to think it's true. And let, let's see what happens in the investigation and how deep they want to push and see. But the bottom line is uh, I think uh, it's – caught well enough in advance so we should see two natural fighters uh in the ring on may the 5th well you know it's 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 funny you you say the psyche part because it was it was a topic i i talked to uh larry hazard about yesterday and i said you know and i used an example of you know when they test drugs sometimes they'll have you know, uh, X amount of people taking the real drug and the other people taking, you know, like a sugar pill or something and and they're trying to get the results and sometimes uh, the people taking the fake stuff are, are acting like they're getting benefits from it, you know. So a lot of it is, is mental. And, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that watch and listen to this show that are well more versed in performance-enhancing drugs than I am. And I purposely kind of stay out of it because, I, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know what the real reason is, Sal? I can't say I can't say any of the names of the drugs. I mean, I you know, I have a hard enough time saying my and your name, you know, let alone hey, uh, the names of these uh, drugs, it, you know. In in my era, and, and I, I told you I told you a story one time that we, we do have to keep confidential about, you know, there was a certain trainer 
that would uh, give his fighters a weekly shot of B12 for energy. And uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say, really. I don't know if I should say much more. Uh, but the bottom line is even with B12 as energy, that, you know, if, if you believe it, it's going to be like a placebo. If you think you're going to get a shot at B12 and it's going to help you with energy, you might say, hey, well, I got a little shot of B12. It's completely natural. Your doctor can give it to you. Uh, in fact, I remember I went to my my lifelong, this guy, I love this guy, uh, Dr. Frank Ferraro out of Rivervale, New Jersey. He's been my lifelong uh, uh, Dr. Welby, if you will, kind of doctor. Town doctor was great on any level and uh, had a great family. Well, you know, he, he suggested one time that he would give me a, a B12 shot, maybe 24 hours before a fight. And and he did. And as as it did, it was like a placebo to me. I felt, you know, well, that's pretty good, pretty good. You know, whether it works or not, it, it really doesn't it, it believe it, whatever you believe your mind, your mind is what you need. If you're confident you're going to go into the ring and you're going to do your job, you don't need anything else. I tried to be 12 one time, two times, maybe. And, you know, I, I, it was what it was. I believed it was going to work. It worked. I believe anything I did uh, uh, legally with nutritional supplements and uh, ergogenic aids, that they, as they call them, even a little caffeine before a fight, uh, you know, never hurt. And those were things that were legal. And, and uh, you know, it, it was there for you. Uh, other things back then, I think in the days – when I was fighting were the known steroids like Decaderoblin, uh, Anabol. These were things that athletes were using in gyms. And, uh, you know, but uh, very rarely would you see the lighter weights having to use these because lightweights have to lose weight and they tear it off their bodies. Well, that's what they're they using be- now. A lot of these yeah. things are to help them cut weight and, and you know, no, give I don't them know more about energy. That. Yeah, that, that's that. see, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, it's it's a... Uh, the industry has become, but let let me give you, I got, I got, uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover here, and I got um, uh, one of the, uh, Abel Sanchez, Triple G's uh, trainer, he's he's pissed, he's pissed, Uh, and he said, and I quote, and, and, you know, to get back to my original question, I I almost lost my whole train of thought, you know, the the question now is people are going to start thinking that Canelo's been cheating for forever. And if you go back to uh, Antonio Margarito, when he was caught just prior to going into the ring uh, against Sugar Shane Mosley with cement in his gloves, all of a sudden the assumption was that he's been cheating forever, you know, and, and it basically has haunted that guy to this day. So, you know, it's hard to to shake that when you're caught people are going to make that assumption that you're a cheat once a cheater over is a cheater like uh, right. I don't I don't want to quote Deontay Wilder that's what he was referring to uh Luis Ortiz uh as uh, uh leading up to their fight uh but uh but here here's here's a quote from Abel Sanchez and you know it's not that uh, you know I like or dislike Abel Sanchez but I will say this Abel now I had the luxury of meeting Abel Sanchez in Chicago uh, a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. Uh, and and the, the, the point I'm making here is that he very rarely says things. You know, you, you hear a lot of rhetoric out of Freddie Roach's mouth and, of course, uh, Bob Arum. And, you know, there's guys that are synonymous to, to shooting their mouth off about things um, 
that South guy, Dakota. that guy Billy C. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> that guy Billy C. You never shuts up. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no no no. Uh, but but when, 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 yeah, when when uh, when Abel Sanchez says something, you know, sometimes I have a tendency to really listen. And uh, I have uh, I have some quotes for you. He says uh, uh, certain commissions in this game are very lenient towards certain fighters. Uh, he says Nevada has been lenient towards Alvarez, and you know he, he's he's still upset uh, over uh, uh, what he f- uh, felt was a hand wrapping uh, technique called stacking, uh, which uh, is supposed to be illegal. And uh, he was questioned. He questioned uh, when they were doing that to Alvarez uh, prior to their fight and back in September. And he says, well, they put gauze on his hand and put one layer of gauze on the hand. Then they put the tape on top of the gauze. Sanchez uh, said to them at that point, uh, I I caught and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That's illegal. Uh, You can't do that. And the inspector, the Nevada inspector looked and said, yeah, he can do that. Uh, He says uh, it's called stacking this is abel sanchez says it's called stacking it's illegal and you can't do that it it creates a cast we kept going back and forth to the point where the uh the inspector threatened to throw abel sanchez out of the room uh and uh you know he he kind of the fight went on or whatever and uh, he said that, uh, uh, you know, Alvarez has been allowed to do that every other time. Now, the argument for uh, Nevada is that they allow that, even though it's it's not, um, you know, uh, in their rules specifically, uh, but they have allowed it for uh, a very long time. Sanchez also went on to mention how there's always uh, controversial decisions. Uh, and, and one he pointed to was uh, C.J. Ross scored uh, Alvarez uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, a draw, even though uh, the other judges scored it 9-3 to three and 8-4 to four rounds, that is, in favor of Mayweather. And quite honestly, I don't know how anybody could have scored uh, that a draw. I mean, Mayweather beat uh, Alvarez that day. He says, uh, then, of course, You're the Adelie Bird fight. Uh, with Triple G and Alvarez uh, scores to fight 10 rounds to two in favor of uh, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bob Bennett didn't do anything about it. Uh, Abel goes on to say, uh, my biggest concern is that it doesn't, this issue, and he's talking about the uh, Clen Buterol uh, uh, testing positive, not once but twice uh, stemming, you know, prompting uh, this whole uh, thing. Uh, Bennett says that he's going to do a full investigation. Sanchez says, uh, my biggest concern is that it doesn't get brushed under the carpet. Uh, that's that it, it truly is and gets investigated by the experts. He says, I'm not one, but I want it to be looked into thoroughly as they would if it were Triple G who tested positive or any other fighter, not Canelo. He says it just seems that there are certain commissions in boxing that are lenient towards certain fighters, Texas is being one of them, and Nevada is another when it comes to Alvarez. Uh, certain fighters get rule, relaxed rules. Uh, he says uh, when everyone else has to follow a rule, these guys get relaxed rules. He says this time it's a big enough event that the commission needs to seriously investigate everything that's happened in the past. I know he's never tested uh, positive before this, but this stuff, clenbuterol, is not something you start using uh, out of a whim. People who are cheaters, and if he is one, I'm not saying that he is, uh, it's not the beef because it could be the meat, but let's make uh, this investigation go deep because you don't just start all of a sudden using 
that type of drug. Now, mm. I think he's got a, 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 a legitimate case here, Sal. I mean, you know, we want an even playing field. You know, I, I, I could see, and I'm, and I'm not suggesting that Canelo is a cheater, but, but I no. could see the pressure on Canelo that a lot of it he put on himself that he has to win this fight. And, and when a fighter is against a wall like that, or any athlete, you can see where they may consider doing something to help them achieve that. Um, you know, I, I mean, could you see that? That's hard, Bill. I, you know, fighters are a rear breed, the, uh, needless to say. Because they really, fighters have a lot of confidence. They, they really, that I know, and I'm speaking from my own perspective, you know, they really feel they're going in the ring with what God gave them and what the training regiment allowed them to benefit from. Uh, and, you know, there are those that may look for a competitive edge, uh, but like outside of anything illegal, uh, it, it's, it's seldom that you'll see them investigate, hey, I got to get a trainer. He's got to give me this. He got to give me that. Now, it may be suggested by some trainers. That might be a uh, high-tech kind of uh, designer pl- uh, kind of um, uh, supplements that uh, that might be uh, uh, beneficial short term on that level for a competitive edge. Um, would a fighter decide to take that if he knew it was illegal, or if he knew it was uh, 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 could he play dumb and just say, "Hey, I was taking vitamin supplements." I don't know. It's a big thing, you know. And some trainers, I will tell you this: some trainers may suggest to their fighters. That hey, this is a vitamin supplement. It comes from a rare place or whatever. Heck, here you got to take this. Try this. It'll, it'll help you with energy or help your muscles grow. It's a protein supplement. You don't know. And I will tell you this because I do know this for a fact. There were some world class trainers back in the old day that would give some fighters who could afford to put on weight or do something else some kind of supplement, suggesting hey. Take this. This is good for you. Take this. It's a it's a vitamin supplement. I get it from a special uh, uh, sports doctor, something like that. And it was something other than what it was, because the fighter might have not even known what he was taking other than a vitamin supplement. Hold that and thought, some- Sal. Hold hold that thought, brother. Okay. We got to take we got to take a break and uh, hold that thought because uh, I want to pick up on that uh, in uh, about uh, two minutes. Release. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, uh, Sal, uh, you were making a point um, about um, basically, <laughs> just to remind you, because I almost forgot what the point was anyway, but uh, just, you know, you were kind of making a point and, and alluding to sometimes a trainer will, hey, you know, do this, do that. And you really don't know uh, what they're doing. Um, and, and, you know, uh, that's what, um, Antonio Margarito tried to do, but with the steroid use today, and it, and it's a continuing thing. It's almost like a designer drug because, 
you know, once they find out something is is a performance enhancing drug, by the time it gets put on the ban list, you know, they figured out a way to 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 do something else that's not on the ban list. So um, it's a it's a tough industry to police. Uh, I, I would think that there would constantly be uh, new things, but I think that it has to become a a priority that they have to stay up on this. Don't you think? Oh, they do because you know what? First of all. You know, you you heard about the, or you used to hear about long term effects of some of these anabolic steroids, or what they could do to uh, to the human body over time or later in life. And uh, you know, there's trade offs. Like I said, when you're a young buck fighter, you're you're invincible. Nothing's gonna happen to you. And uh, you know, it, it doesn't happen to me. It's not gonna happen to you. You know, it's it's it, it is what it is. And uh, you you don't see. 30 years down the road you're looking at the title you're looking at the the, the golden coin right there in front of you uh, right now and for the next couple of years um, but the bottom line is you know and usually these things can be uh, uh, introduced or passed on the benefits of them and 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 many times and I will tell you this I had the privilege and and, and the fortune to be entertained for hours on end you know Richie Giacchetti was my manager for for a long time and uh, I love the guy. We used to talk, and we used to have great talks. And then we were in Atlantic City. How many times we'd get at a table with Johnny Boz or someone here, and we'd all all talk. And I'd just shut up and listen because the story that these guys would tell uh, about who's doing this and who's doing that in a fight game. I mean, it was a plethora of knowledge and stuff I'm privy to. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear too much, guys. I'm gonna go home. I gotta get up and run. Right. You know. It was amazing, Johnny. And, and you'd be Johnny. surprised what oh. used to go on in the '80s or in the '70s that 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 uh, was not detected early on. No, I, I, I go on and on. I shared some things with you, and there's things I will never say on air. I know we can't. Uh, we, no, we, we're we not. can go on and on. And Johnny Boz is a great guy. I, I great just, guy. you know, I I just think that uh, I'm with Abel Sanchez in this case. I don't think they should shovel it under the table. And I I I I, I th- me I say. If if I'm Team Triple G, I say forget Canelo. I, I I think that boxing and the participants in boxing, you know, the, the fighters need to make a stand. And the best way to do it is say forget it. I'm, the fight's off. And and if I'm if I'm Tim Loftier and, and Team Triple G, I go to I got I, I have a willing dance partner right now that'll step in and fight for Triple G. I mean, uh, fight Triple G for Canelo that the public will want to see. And his name is Daniel Jacobs. Give Daniel Jacobs a rematch, Triple G. Forget Canelo. Make a statement for the sport of boxing that says we will not tolerate a cheater, especially guys that, that are up on the podium saying how much they are against cheaters. And it would be the same thing if all of a sudden Triple G tests positive for something and, you all know, right. he's complaining. So, so you know, in this case, it's Canelo. And, you know, I, I got news for you. Canelo looks like, he, I, you know, listen, it's easy for me to see, and in, in, this is just my opinion, when the report came out that Canelo, uh, you know, tested positive, I was not shocked because I see it in this guy. His build and the fact that, you know, a guy that's so chiseled like he is and then runs out of gas the way he does. I mean, that's those are signs. But uh, uh, make a statement, Team Triple G. That's tell him you don't want to fight. Because right, those are some signs. No, yeah. Tell him you don't want to fight him and go fight Daniel Jacobs. Forget yeah, Canelo. Make a, sta- make a statement. 
that boxing doesn't want cheaters. And and I, I say one strike and you're out. Forget this uh, BS where they get a couple of strikes. One strike, you're out. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you tighten up the the repercussions, the penalties that somebody has to go through, and then they think twice. You know, if, if you didn't... Uh, uh, you know, uh, run the risk of spending life in jail. People would be killing each other like like nothing, you know? So uh, anyway, that's, you know, obviously different than uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, maybe another um, level a up. Little, it's it's know, a little yeah. different. Hey, um, that, I got the point, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Speaking like of, I said, the prize speak, has to be worth the price. Speaking if of cheating. something to attain a prize that's not, le- that, that's not legal and that you think is going to help you get the prize, you got to be willing to pay, pay the price if you're caught. Exactly. Speaking of cheaters, um, you know, Team Ortiz is, uh, is really, uh, they don't want to not give Deontay Wilder credit because, let's face it, they knocked, Wilder knocked out Ortiz. So, I mean, it's hard to cry about judges and everything else. But they are mentioning that they thought they were winning and they're shocked that they were he losing was. on I the scorecards. Uh, most people did. Uh, but the the thing that they're they're really pointing out is the start of the eighth round, and they feel that, that um, Deontay Wilder got uh, some extra time to recover. Now, yeah. um, you know, he did. He did get yeah, extra I was time to say, recover. Billy, how but, they explain but, themselves out of that one? Because I saw that. I said, well, here's the Paul, reason. Paulie Malignaggi couldn't even believe that. Wait a minute, this isn't right. This is. This, this, I mean, it, it, let, let's let's let me explain why. Okay. Okay. Um, because it's New York State uh, that did it. New York yeah. State has this doctor thing where they are going way. Now remember, Mago Abdulzamov. That whole situation uh, triggered a procedure from New York State Athletic Commission, where they have a doctor in each corner, and then a, a backup one. I think there's at least three, and I might be wrong, there may be four doctors that are required ringside for fights in New York State now. And they do that. After a, uh, a beating or a knockdown, they let the corner do their work, and then prior to the official start of the round, they inspect the, spot, the fighter, ask a go. couple of questions. And, and that's what New York State does. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, there's been uh, allegations of, uh, you know, nod and wink, slow it down, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, 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 no. I, it's no, no, New York no. State. That, you just, if you, you want to blame anybody, blame New York State because they're the ones that, that did it. Uh, two other things I want to cover real quickly uh, and then get into some emails that I want to try to get done before we do our, uh, uh, our uh, Billy C's uh, uh, magic boxing uh, machine. Um, a fight this weekend... <sighs> Mikey Garcia has taken on Sergi uh, Lipiditz. And, um, you know, uh, Lipiditz has the IBF uh, Junior Welterweight uh, Championship. And uh, Mikey Garcia is, is, is going for that. Um, you know, it's a shame, Sal. And I'll tell you this. Uh, Mikey Garcia is a pound-for-pound fighter. He clearly took the easier opponent um, in this particular fight and you could make the argument that, you know, he got the money he wanted, he got the network he wanted to fight on, and he's getting the lesser opponent. It is so out of character for Mikey Garcia. And the result is that there's not much excitement about this fight. Normally, I can't wait to watch Mikey Garcia fight. I know. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't, I don't even see, I mean, no disrespect to Lipinitz because he is a, a world title uh, holder. 
But this guy doesn't stand a chance against Mikey Garcia. Uh, last quotes that they had. Uh, Mikey Garcia says, everything depends on my opponent. If uh, I find there's an opportunity to go for a knockout, I'm going to. Uh, if it goes 12 rounds, then that's fine. He's a tough fighter, and I expect it to, to him to be uh, tough. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to win. If the opportunity's there, I'm going to go for the knockout. If not, uh, I will go 12 rounds. Lipidit says, I'm ready to go. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. I'm going to come out victorious on Saturday. I feel great. It doesn't matter if I'm an underdog or not. I'm ready to prove to everybody that they're wrong. I want to show everybody that I'm the one they should be looking at. I'm the champion. Um, Sal, I got less than a minute, but um, I mean, what else is he supposed to say? That's exactly what he's supposed I to know. say. That's well, well scripted. Right. I mean, you I'm, can't say anything else different. I mean, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't uh, uh, just offer uh, condolences to, to yourself that, hey, well, I'm going to do the best I can, and if I come up short, hey, I, I, it doesn't matter. No, yeah. you got to speak of your assets. You got to speak of what you're going to do. You got to speak of, of you being the one out there to go out there and win. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's a shame. And and uh, what, what what I'm saying uh, uh, is a shame, is the fact that fighters. You know, uh, you had said it to me off air about uh, Regis Progress saying, "Hey, Mayweather is gone, so now let's make boxing exciting again. Let's basically fight." And uh, which I agree with you and I have said that many, many times. You know what he said, his quote? He said, let's bring the savagery back to boxing. And, and, you know, what it basically is. Look at the MMA uh, popularity because it could be brutal. It could be – and there's nothing left to the judge's card, you know? Well – when they made savagery, he meant the relentless style of like a Roberto Duran or like win at all costs and and, and be relentless. That's That's exactly what we need. Well, I mean, the fans voiced their opinion when they were booing Ortiz yes. and Wilder when they weren't, you know, going after each other with reckless abandon. And that's what fans want to see. Um, but anyway, uh, my point here with Mikey Garcia is he could have gotten even more money and gotten a bigger fight. To me, he's kind of getting a payday here. And some people could justify that, especially Team Garcia. But I think it's I think it's a step backward for Mikey. Um, you know, this is a, a guy who's has been in, you know kind of included in some big conversations for big big fights, and he ends up with Sergey Lipinets. But uh, uh, anyway, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got uh, one more uh, bit of news. Then we're going to start uh, chipping away at all these emails. We got a ton of them. So uh, don't forget, coming up at nine, uh, Billy C's uh, Magic Boxing Machine. Episode 2. Don't miss that one. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening 
to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking of us, I'm here with my man uh, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. And uh, Sal, just before I went to break, I had one more little bit of news I wanted to talk about. And this is coming uh, from uh, Tyson Fury. You know, listen, I was a big ah. fan of Tyson Fury. I, I really was. Were. And, you know, he went off the deep end, whatever the case is. Now he's wants to get back in the mix. Um, but But my problem with him is that and and really, it's not just him. It's with anyone. I feel that that you know, even though he he was a champion, he's undefeated, and et cetera, et cetera. He was out of the sport. He needs to fight a fight before he gets a fast track to a big, big money fight. And he has this this thought that he doesn't need to. He said after this fight. Uh, after Deontay Wilder uh, had his signature fight this past weekend against Luis Ortiz, uh, he says that, uh, uh, well, referring to Deontay Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury said, he's made for me. Whatever happens in his career, whether he gets knocked out in his next fight, I want to fight him because we got unfinished business. When I get in the ring, I'll really give him a good hiding. He's a good puncher, and he's got a puncher's chance all the way through until the end of the fight, but I believe I've got the best boxing skills in the division, and I'll give him a boxing lesson, and then I'll stop him, all 15 stone of him. Um, You know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, Tyson Fury's getting to the point where you don't even listen to what he says anymore, Sal. Well, here's the bottom line. He he doesn't really see or feel his significance and his contendership in the heavyweight division at this time because he hasn't earned it. He's been out. He's been idle. And guess what? He He wants to jump on the fast track train to get back to the top. And it's not that easy. He He's got to do it with baby steps, and that's what he should be focusing on, not taking on and dismantling Deontay Wilder, who I think will give big, big uh, uh, Tyson Fury uh, a lesson on how to fall from uh, being up there to the, to the canvas. But that's neither here or there. Tyson Fury's got to pull the reins back. Look at what he's got to do. He's got to sit with some consultants and, and, and a management team to say, hey, look, we're going to go back there. We're going to get in the ring. We're going to prove ourselves. We're going to take on this opponent, and we're going to work our way back up with two or three fights until we're back in contention. Right. You know, I, one thing I want to say about Deontay Wilder and something that happens with these monster guys, and not that he's a monster guy. I mean, height-wise, six foot seven, and uh, something that Tyson Fury went through and something that the Klitschko brothers went through. Um. Because you're so much bigger than your opponents, and a good example was the difference in size between Luis Ortiz and Deontay Wilder on Saturday night. Luis Ortiz, a big man at six foot four, but Deontay Wilder still had a three inch height advantage and, and I think a five inch reach advantage. Um, you become proficient fighting guys that are smaller than you. You deliver your punches differently. Uh, now, now, you know. With that said, I, you know, I'm sticking by my my thought about Deontay Wilder. He he really, uh, you know, he's a wild man in there. He he doesn't possess any technical skills. In he's my unpredictable. Opinion. Um, but but what the one thing that he's going to have to learn pretty quickly is how to fight guys his own size. Something that he hasn't done yet. He hasn't been in there with a six foot seven guy. Tyson Fury's six seven. He hasn't been in there with with a with a guy that's you know uh, where you know you you're looking the stare down your nose to nose. 
you know, and it took the Klitschko's a while to get proficient fighting guys the same size. The heavyweight division is a is a, is a wild division because you could have a guy that's that's two hundred twenty pounds that's six foot tall, and then you could have a guy that's like Deontay Wilder who weighed uh, slightly under two hundred fifteen pounds and he's six foot seven. You know, so I, you know it's something that they have to learn, and uh, it took the Klitschko's a while. Uh, they they finally uh, mastered it. Uh, being able to fight, you know, guys the same size and smaller guys. But anyway, uh, let's get right. some emails out of the way. Right. Yeah, no, I, I tell you what, it seems easier uh, said than done. It's 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 hard. You know, I remember watching the Klitschko's, and they had become that when they were delivering punches, they were they were throwing their punches downward, and and they had to because their opponents were that much smaller. When they started fighting guys the same size. It took them several fights before they would deliver a punch, which the way I would call normal, you know. Uh, so uh, we'll see. But uh, anyway, uh, we we're going to start off with the emails that we didn't get to yesterday. So again, if there's an email that we don't get to today from from uh, you know from today's bag, uh, we will get to them tomorrow. Um, but uh, first and foremost, this one's from uh, uh, Greg. He says, uh, "I'm a huge Wilder fan, but I'm not writing this email to gloat." I'm disappointed in the outcome of the final round. They both got hurt and started to hold a bit. Uh, I'm sorry. He says hold and hit. Wilder hit Ortiz with a hard right hand rabbit punch to the back of the head. He followed it up with another hard right punch to the back of the head. Then he threw Ortiz to the ropes. The ropes look soft, but they're not. It was a 250-pound guy going flying into the ropes, and they supported him when the ropes uh, are hard. Watch Ortiz as he rolls over. He has a glove and a knee on the mat, just like a guy who takes an eight count. He was in this position because he was stunned, either from the two rabbit punches or hitting the ropes and the canvas after being thrown down. He looked at his corner, I think, because he thought the ref ruled it a knockdown. You know, I thought, th I'm going to stop from this email for a second, because I thought the same exact thing, Sal. I thought that the way he ha was taking a knee and looking up at the referee that he thought it was a knockdown and was gathering his senses. Because if you recall, his corner had said to him after he was hurt previously in that fight uh, to, uh, to, to stay down for a full eight count uh, to, uh, you know, rejuvenate. Don't be so quick to get up. And I saw the same thing. And the referee even said to him, hey, it's not a knockdown. Get ready to fight, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, he says instead of asking uh, if he was okay, the ref said get up, which he did. He's right. He says, uh, I think this is where the language barrier hurt Ortiz. Since he was shook up, he should, uh, he should have told him uh, he was hurt or the referee should have asked him if he was okay since he was thrown down and hit twice behind the head. He just told Ortiz to get up and Wilder jumped on him uh, because he was still uh, uh, hurt. Every other time Wilder jumped on Ortiz, he was ready, except this time. Well, Wilder had been cautious up to that point, but I think he saw Ortiz wasn't right and went after the KO. Uh, Wilder's one of my favorite fighters. I think he knocks uh, AJ and Tyson Fury and uh, Pavetkin all out, but fair is fair, and I think he took advantage of it, and I feel bad for Ortiz, but I respect him and wish uh, the win was more clean. I, listen, if if you're going to point, I, and I appreciate the uh, email, Greg, and uh and I also really appreciate your concern that uh, that your guy might not have won uh, on the up and up. But let me let me tell you something. Deontay Wilder's job is to fight and win the fight. It's not his job if he mistakenly 
hit Ortiz behind the head or whether it was intentional. It's the referee's job to say something, right, Sal? I mean, I mean, Ortiz, Ortiz is going. Correct. Yeah, Ortiz is going in for the kill. It's not his job to make sure yeah. his opponent is right. It's not his job to make sure that that everything's yeah. on the up and up. That's what the referee is doing. And I do believe that exactly what Abel Sanchez said that there are fighters that get special treatment in fights, and maybe this was a case with the referee. What do you think? It's not the fighter's fault. The fighter goes out there. He's got one thing in mind. He's going to dismantle and destroy his opponent. And however he does it, as you suggested, it is 100% true. It's the referee's decision to say, hey, you can't do that. I'm going to give you a, po a point against you or I'm going to take a point away or whatever. It's going to happen uh, if it's something that's repeated. You have the warnings. You have everything else. Now, it's the referee's job to decide what's a knockdown. It's the referee's job to decide what's what uh, was an illegal punch. And, and that's their do them doing their business. Uh, that they're trained and, and experienced enough to do when they get into a world title fight. Um, you cannot blame the fighters because the fighters, like I said, they're basically they're going for a, a, a victory. And if they're going to be relentless and just like a caged animal, I hate to use that analogy, and just get out in there and flail away and, and destroy, seek and destroy, that's the mindset. That's the pit bull mentality of a, of a fighter, especially when they have somebody in trouble. One of the great finishers of all time was Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, I love the way he would get somebody hurt. He'd jump all over you. There'd be punches flying and flailing from every angle till you dropped. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of cases of big punchers or, or big boxers out there that just put it all together. And they were hitting you. Uh, and if your body's moving in here and they accidentally hit you behind the head because you know, one punch led you there. And, you know, it's a combination. It's a, it, boxing is not... It's not checkers. It's not. It's not jacks. It's 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 a rough, rough sport. There's no doubt. And and the fighter's job is to win, not referee. That's it. But uh, not, not to worry and, about. And that's like and that's like other fighters that, that the fans get all critical of because of the judge. You know how many times have we seen a fighter uh, get attacked on social media recently when the judge scores it uh, terribly? It's not the fighter's fault. The fighter's just doing the job. They're not scoring. They're not scoring the fight. You know, blame well, you, the judge. You know, the judge true. has to be held accountable. Not the fighter, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, another email. This is from my man Jeff from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He says, uh, hey, Billy, see the Wilder-Ortiz fight started slowly, but it was great fun, and it was very exciting in the end. Very Wilder exciting. showed heart and willingness to go for broke when uh, recognizing that his opponent was hurt. I believe he would have uh, landed uh, the right, uh, much earlier had he stuck the jab rather than pawing with it uh, like he was. But I'm, uh, but I'll uh, write that off as dealing with a talented southpaw. Yeah, that's that's my opinion too. Bill, I'll He's, tell you what, you you were right on saying the same thing. Yeah, and I really feel in my heart of hearts that was really Deontay Wilder's uh, pressing and feeling and 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 getting his distance and range with that pawing left jab. Uh, and, and it was because he was fighting a talented southpaw. Yep. He says, I'm so disappointed in uh, Wilder's comments regarding Eddie Hearn. If he had said all promoters take advantage of fighters, he might have had some points to listen to. But in bringing race into his comment, all he did was demonstrate his deep-seated racist feelings. Uh, you know what? Before I, I Before I read on... I thought that that was the stupidest comment that uh, Deontay Wilder said, and, and I agree here with Jeff. Uh, I with didn't Jeff. hear it. I probably missed that. Yeah, he said uh, along the lines of uh, the white man's taking advantage of the black man. 
uh, taking all of AJ's money. He was referring to Hearn mistreating Anthony Joshua. Uh, okay. when when really he should look uh, at all the hands in his own pockets. But anyway, uh, he says, Hearn, like him or not, has maneuvered Anthony Joshua into huge multi-million dollar paydays, 10 times that of what Wilder's promoters have brought to him. He says he's only interested in finding out who uh, is the best, but insists on a 50-50 split when uh, the highest uh, he's made is a million dollars in his most recent fight. Well, he did finally break two million in, uh, on the fight Saturday. He says uh, he cares about the money, and he knows he's not going to get a 50-50 split, maybe for the rematch should he win, but not in the first meeting. Disappointing and completely unsubstantiated, uh, unsubstantiated claims. Watch out, Wilder. Your jealousy is showing. Um, thanks for the email, Jeff. Uh, you know, to tell you the truth, his win, and, and I'm one to also recognize that uh, Luis Ortiz is you know, probably 48 instead of 38. But I give Deontay Wilder the credit for beating him. It clearly was the best opponent that, you know, Deontay Wilder has faced. Granted, it took 40 fights for him to fight a real opponent, which is, in my opinion, unacceptable in professional boxing. But be as it may, he proved it on Saturday night. Uh, what does that mean money-wise? No, I do not think that he deserves a 50-50 split against Anthony Joshua. However, I do believe he deserves a 60-40 split. Uh, so, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, maybe they can work out a deal where it's not split percentages and he picks up the U.S. television rights like they had offered and gets a flat uh, fee and goes and fights AJ over in England and he'll be in a position to make a ton of money if he negotiates the uh, U.S. television rights correctly, especially if that fight is, is a pay-per-view, which I'm sure it would be. Um, I, I, I think he should get a 50-50 split if he goes to England. And if, he, if they come here, I think uh, then, then it could be maybe 60-40 or so. But I'm telling you one thing right now. Deontay Wilder's stock rose Tremendously, not fifty, tenfold. not fifty percent. I, I but mean, you know it, what? He's it, got twice as many fights as Anthony Joshua too. I'm not going to debate the issue. I'm just saying I could be an advocate of, of declaring why I think. It, first of all, this is a fight that everyone wants to see. They're they're everyone that wants to see. Yeah, this we fight. all want to see it, but, but what, let, it's let's. Take, it's going to take both dance partners to get in the ring to do it. You're right. So why not give it a fifty-fifty? I don't think it's the fighters. They both seem to want to fight. It's it's it's. First of all. Because AJ could make twenty million dollars fighting you or me in in England, so you know, so that that's value. Deontay can't. Deontay can't. He made two million dollars fighting the best guy he's ever faced, and that was this past weekend. Now, now let's see at the next fight. How much is he going to make? Who else out there, uh, aside from Anthony Joshua, can Deontay Wilder make more than two million dollars against? There's well, you nobody. Got a point there. There's and, nobody. And, and that's and, true. And please, and I, Sal, don't say a statement like wow Deontay's got twice as many fights don't you can't I say know. it because just, you look at the you, you look at credence. the I'm being a devil's advocate no but but Bill. the point That's is, is that you can't you I'm can't thinking. look at those uh, fighters you can't look at his resume it's a joke his resume you know and I'm not suggesting that Anthony Joshua all 20 of his were Klitschko's fighters no but the truth of the matter was was that he definitely did fight harder opposition quicker than than uh, than Deontay. Deontay's been a, a a pro five years longer than than Anthony Joshua, and still well, just just fight. made two million dollars just once. And he's pounding his chest saying he's the best out there, and he just crossed over the two million threshold. 
And, and you know, I, I can't believe I'm even using the money as an example because that's my biggest pet peeve. The big fight between Charlo and Daniel Jacobs uh, under the Barkley Center. I'm making M's. I'm making M's, Daniel Jacobs is saying. You know, meaning I'm making millions. What are you making? And he says, how do you know I'm not making M's, Charlo? He says, I know you're not making M's. And I'm saying, what? Well, who's eating M&M's? What are they talking about? You know, why are they eating M&M's? Who's eating Reese's Pieces? Ah, you know, give them an ice cream. You know, I was like, forget it. You know, these guys, these guys put all the value. They put the wrong stuff in the value. They they value the, the wrong stuff. Just Just fight. This next one uh, was left over from yesterday. This is from my man Mike from Michigan. I haven't heard from him in a while. He says, firstly, I'll be totally honest, Billy. Uh, Deontay Wiley is quite possibly the worst heavyweight champion I've ever seen next to John Ruiz. I fell asleep after the first round and awoke three hours later to Wilder getting a knockout. Well, you couldn't have done that because uh, it wasn't three hours later, but I get your point. Um, he says, uh, so I rewatched the fight. Uh, I muted after the fifth uh, time I rewatched it. Uh, he says, I still don't know what the F I watched. I got to give credit where credit's due. I give Deontay credit. And the only person who I believe, and I never thought I'd say this, uh, is Fury. I don't know uh, why, but Deontay Wilder may be the worst technical boxer that's ever lived. Marciano has uh, had better footwork, and Marciano's nickname was Wire Legs. I'm afraid that people don't understand the fundamentals of boxing because I had Ortiz uh, up on the cards each time. I have no clue how Wilder has had the success because he defi uh, uh, defies everything I've ever thought you need to be an elite-level fighter except his power. What kind of good uh, and kind of a good beard and heart. I was impressed with his actions as a human being after the Spitzka fight, uh, which he was losing as well until he landed his bomb. Uh, we spoke about this afterwards, and that showed me a little bit of class. Also, is Deontay Wilder the worst heavyweight champion as far as skills go because he's got none? Remember the malice at the palace when Rana Tess started throwing shots at fans and he looked insane? That's what Wilder looks like to me, and I need to know what I'm missing. Uh, lastly, the news broke yesterday, and I'm sick of the tainted meat BS, and I remembered Morales saying Mexico has the best pharmacies, uh, but what the casual Canelo supporters left are back in the stupid tainted meat line. Uh, Billy, uh, what TF, uh, or WTF, I should say, is happening? I'm sincerely uh, only honest, and I'm biased because I like humble guys like Triple G, but I'm able to admit it. And the first step is to be honest with yourself. I refuse the tainted meat BS, not solely attributed to uh, just Mexicans either, by the way. He says, what about the uh, bald heavyweight contender who was caught uh, after knocking out Shagiev? He's talking about Lucas Brown. Uh, that's Australia. Others include Povetkin in Russia, Ortiz. I desperately want to know uh, this. To, I want this to be untrue so I can watch Triple G beat Canelo easier this time. What's your guys' thoughts? Um, first and foremost... I, I I agree, and I've said this, that Deontay Wilder has, in my opinion, does not have any boxing skill. He's got terrible footwork. He doesn't employ the jab, which he should. He has a decent jab. He does have a decent jab, he, he, but he doesn't use it. So, you know, his defense is not there. I, I gave you all the reasons why, technically, he's terrible. Except, here's the problem. The guy's got the equalizer. It's his right hand. That's all he's needed. He's 40 wins with 39 knockouts, all from the right hand. You could say, bye, he was losing up to that point, but, uh, but he won. And he won by knockout. He was getting his ass kicked from this, but he won. He won by knockout. You know, so the truth of the matter is, is you could be just as bad 
as Deontay is. But if you have the, the heart and you have a beard that can withstand some punches and you have that, that equalizer, that right hand that puts people to sleep, maybe that's all he's going to need. And that's, uh, you know, to compare him with Rocky Marciano is not that far off. Rocky, no, Marciano. Rocky Marciano, well, he was losing against Jersey Joe Walcott. Uh, well, Rocky, Rocky Marciano was losing against Ezra Charles. They would have stopped that fight if it took place today. His nose was flopping around his face well, like a... It was like cut a, in half. It, 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 it was. Let me tell you, Rocky Marciano, if he well, was fighting in today's happened. boxing uh, uh, world, he would no way be undefeated because he would have gotten stopped by TKO several times by ringside physicians. By but that's Absolutely. by by today's. But like Rocky Marciano, he had Rocky Marciano had terrible footwork. He, his defense, obviously, we're talking about all the fights that they would have stopped because he had no defense. You know, he didn't really employ a jab. What he did do well was he had freakish punching power in both hands, and the guy was always in condition. He had great stamina, was always in condition, and had heart and punching heart power. Heart and determination. And guess and what? Chin. Deontay Wilder showed us that same things, yeah. those same things on Saturday night. He showed us that he had heart. He showed us that he, had, uh, he was in good condition. And he showed us that he had freakish punching power. And, and so far, it's working for him. Thanks for the email, uh, Mike. And by the way, I know you're going through some uh, tough times. Um, just... Uh, Get up off the canvas and uh, win the fight. You know what I'm saying? Um, this next one is from uh, my man Morgan. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, one of the more interesting questions in, in boxing is when should a talented fighter with a long amateur background face a seasoned pro? Lomachenko versus Alito, uh, Spinks versus Ali, etc. I've heard you mention that fighters need to climb the ladder before challenging for a championship. In a perfect world, you'd like to... A steadily increase the fighter's level of opposition, but what if he loses while climbing the ladder? Then he'd lose a chance at winning a championship, and more importantly, he'd lose a big payday. I don't believe boxers with a lot of amateur experience need many fights before challenging a contender. I'd like to see them fighting other good fighters before 10 pro fights. Um, first and foremost, yes, in a perfect world, I'd like to see them climbing the ladder. And I don't think that the fear of losing should prevent the fighter from climbing a ladder. I, I, you see, the statement that Morgan just made in this email is reminiscent of what the mindset is of the younger fans. They, This guy already is putting value in an O, and he's concerned that a good amateur fighter will lose his opportunity to make money or even win a trinket, a belt, uh, if he should lose on his way up. And that's the wrong mentality. There's nothing wrong with losing a fight if you get better from that loss. If you lose a fight and then never win again, okay, you know, but then maybe somebody's doing you a favor. But if you lose a fight and go back and see why and correct those mistakes, it just made you a better fighter. You know, go through the history of, of boxing and you see that happen time and time again. As far Absolutely. as amateurs, you know, Sal, we've had this discussion a lot of times. I think that there has to be an asterisk made for the Lomachenkos and for and 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 Michael Spinks. I mean uh, Leon Spinks in in his case, that's an asterisk because Leon Spinks. There was there was a lot of 
political things going on and, and with Ali, and make no mistake, to this day I believe that Ali just wanted to become the first heavyweight to regain the, the world championship three times, which he w- was able to do with the rematch with Leon Spinks. But, you know, when you got these, these huge uh, amateur pedigrees like Lomachenko, um, you know, like uh, some of the Cuban, all the Cuban fighters, uh, yeah, I do believe that they should get a fast track uh, to uh, to being considered contenders, but that doesn't mean that they should be allowed to fight the same slugs that somebody who turned pro gets to fight. I think that if you are a a highly decor- decorated amateur, a guy with two three hundred fights, and you fought world class competition, and you turn pro, I think that yeah, you might be able to get a fast track to contention, but you still need to fight the contenders. What do you think, Sal? Well, I think you're you're right on. You know, let let's not forget that the amateur boxing is three rounds. So, you know, I, I think when you look at a ten round or a twelve round title fight, you know, you, it, it's hard to fast forward and say, hey, my first or second fight, I'm going to fight twelve rounds. You have to have at least in the order that should be specified, maybe a fast track. But, you know, you might want to start out with your first fight as being an eight-rounder, ten-rounder, or something else, with, even against a contender or something, uh, somebody ranked in the top 15. That's fine. But to, to, to suggest that, uh, you know, you're going to fight for the title the first time, I mean, Lomachenko uh, insisted, and, and, and basically he got that. Uh, it's a freakish a thing, and I don't know how the heck you maneuver yourself to, in order to get that. But the bottom line is uh, um, not every fighter can or should do that. I think there. It's fair to say you have like like I'll use this as a benchmark because it was phenomenal. Look at all the Olympians from the '76 Olympics. Uh, they got on a fast track to a title fight, but they did it with good, their gold medals. They did it with fighting a level a level of increasing competition on their way up the ladder for the title fight. And Leon Spinks fought Ali in his seventh pro fight, I think it was. Eighth. But look at Le- Leonard. Uh, he moved up fast. They all moved up quickly because they were able to beat in a natural progression people that were experienced pros uh, that would give them the next step up the ladder for a title. Exactly. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, the second episode of Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine coming up right after this break. So uh, don't go nowhere. Uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And, um, well, it's that time, man. We started a new uh, segment. We got several more that uh, I'm going to be unveiling 
uh, over the next month or so. But uh, this new one uh, we had a lot of fun with. It's called uh, Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. And um, it, uh, it last time uh, we, we did it, it normally puts uh, all four of us, uh, myself and Alex Papali and Dax Khan and Sal uh, Rocky Senecola, all uh, on at the same time. But due to the uh, weather, uh, Alex won't be able to join us today. So joining us uh, today will just be uh, myself and Sal and my man Dax Khan, who's with us right now. Um, and Dax, I, I, I should have put you on the, uh, I should have opened your camera shot so people could watch you looking over your shoulder. What do, what do you got? What do you got ghosts in there? You think you got people sneaking up behind you or are you being a good boy and checking to make sure you don't have a fight going on on that TV, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so people know what we're talking about. We, we got in trouble because Dax used to put a fight that was on the back, in the back over his shoulder. See that TV? He used to have a fight going on. And I got in trouble for that. Hey, you know, you can't rebroadcast those fights, Dax. I, thought, well, I can't even see what fights he's got on there. You know, it's like, whatever. I think but, it was a video of me. Yeah, well, uh, uh, that was a short-lived one. That was that was, a, that was, a lead, yeah, that was an easy it's, one. It's, it's, sometimes the, um, the Skype video, I don't know, So sometimes it just doesn't come right or, or it gets too wide or too close, depending on how that little hollow lens thing is working out. So that's why, you know, I, I'm always looking at the, uh, the surroundings on me in, in the camera. Right. Well, what we got today, we got uh, our new, and I got to get Jeremy to get us some, we, we need some intro music for the uh, Magic Boxing uh, Machine uh, segment here. But, but what we got today, and, and you know, we, like we do with our Blast from the Past, we, we like to get requests from you guys, the viewers and listeners. And we got a slew uh, of Blast from the Past backed up. And we got a bunch of the Magic Boxing Machine requests, too. And this one uh, was a request that I believe not only did someone send Alex, but they sent you, too, this one. Right, Dax? Yes. Didn't you? They, yes. It was, yes, they, did. they really wanted this one. And I got news for you. It's a great one. Today, we're going to put uh, Jack Dempsey, former World Heavyweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer, in the ring. With Evander Holyfield, who's also a former uh, world champion and boxing uh, Hall of Famer. Now, the way it's going to work today, because we don't have Alex, and I don't know what Alex's official prediction is, but Alex was kind enough uh, via battery uh, to run us the simulation. <laughs> so I have those results, which I'll divulge later on. Uh, but right now, let me Free just battery. give you uh, a quick uh, uh, history on these two guys. And Sal's going to give us uh, his uh, reasons why this matchup would have been significant. And then Dax is going to get technical and break down uh, the strength and weaknesses of both fighters. We'll give you our predictions of who would have won this fight. And then I'll tell you what the title bout championship computer game said. First and foremost, uh, we'll talk about uh, Jack Dempsey. Personally, one of my favorite all-time fighters. He was a former world heavyweight champion and was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990. Uh, he uh, uh, was six foot one, had a 77-inch reach. Uh, he uh, his record was 54 wins, six losses, nine draws. Uh, he had a uh, 283 rounds total with a 64% knockout ratio. Of his 54 wins, he knocked out opponents 44 times. Of his six losses, he himself was only uh, stopped once. Now, he did throughout his career. A lot of people remember the two fights with Gene Tunney, uh, but he also had a couple of other fights with other fighters that seemed to have this, this long-lasting effect. And one guy... 
uh, specifically was uh, Big Willie Meehan. And Bill, Willie Meehan uh, kind of got the best of Jack Dempsey. Uh, they fought five times. Jack Dempsey only beat him once. Uh, they He lost twice, and he had two draws. The thing I want to point out about Jack Dempsey is that most people, when they think of Jack Dempsey, they think of him being a smaller heavyweight. Oh, he only weighed 188 pounds, which is very true. His last several fights, he did weigh over 190, uh, 194 against Jack Sharkey, 192 against uh, Gene Tunney in his last fight. And a lot of other uh, misconceptions about Jack Dempsey is that he fought mostly small guys during his era, which is not true. Big Jess Willard was 245 pounds, six foot six and a half inches tall, fought him. Uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, uh, Furpo was a, was a big guy. Carl Morris uh, was uh, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Porky Dan Flynn was a big guy. Willie Meehan, like I said, big guy. So he did fight uh, some bigger uh, uh, opponents. Now, when you look at Evander Holyfield, Evander Holyfield uh, was a former two divisional world champion. He was a former cruiserweight world champion and a heavyweight world champion. Uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame in twenty seventeen last year. Uh, six foot two and a half. With, uh, and uh, on reach of 78 inches, he had a 51% knockout ratio, 44 wins, 29 coming by knockout. He lost 10 times and had two draws. He was only stopped twice, one time against Riddick Bowe in their second fight in 1995, and the other time against James Tony in 2003 in which he was uh, uh, stopped. Now, as far as the size... It's eerily very similar. He weighed 226 pounds in his last fight, which was the biggest he ever weighed. That was against Brian Nelson in 2011. But he weighed, when he turned heavyweight, he weighed 202 pounds against James Quicktillis in 1988. And against some notable opponents, Bobby Chesney weighed 211, Ray, Ray Mercer 209, and uh, he was up to 217 against uh, Riddick Bowe. So uh, he was uh, very similar in size to Jack Dempsey. Um, so what I'm going to do right now is just give you guys a little, uh, uh, I just gave you a little uh, rundown of these two fighters, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Sal right now. And Sal, you, you tell us what the significance of these two guys, if we did have the uh, magic boxing machine, uh, why uh, this fight would be uh, so important. Well, I think what it would prove or what it would show us is how a fighter from the old school literally the kind of fighter that made his bones and did everything the way with the with chopping the wood with doing the old school versus the guy who contemporarily was introduced to vitamin supplements uh nutrition you're talking about jack dempsey who was eating uh, uh prior to the day you you believe that he had to eat a, a rare steak before you go in a ring versus and Vander Holyfield, who carb carbohydrate loaded on pasta or something else before they got in the ring. So you had two generations or two separate eras of where boxing and science came into play. And I think that Jack Dempsey, you know, again, they had a, you want to talk about a, a track to the heavyweight title. Jack Dempsey didn't start out with the amateurs, didn't start out with gold medals, didn't start out. He started out in barroom brawls, needing money. He'd go in there and say, hey, who wants to try and beat me? Or I'm the toughest guy around. And he would take on all comers that thought that they could knock him out or beat him. And he rarely lost any of those fights. And then as it progressed along, he got recognized to having this this freakish punching power and everything else. And someone said, hey, we're going to get you in a boxing ring and where you'll make some real legit money. And, and that was the natural path. Evander Holyfield, 
you know, had the, the segue of, of, of the amateur uh, program in the United States of America, winning state championships, winning national championships, or, or uh, going to the Olympics. I think he won a bronze medal in the 76 Olympics. If, correct me if I'm wrong or something. But anyway, you know, then your natural introduction and progress in the pros. And with their training techniques, like I said, Jack Dempsey was a throwback. I saw a training film of Jack Dempsey running up mountains or running up hills, uh, uh, chopping wood, uh, running with a group of guys and shadow boxing and hitting a bag just relentless with a style. Nothing pretty, just effective. Conditioning, raw conditioning. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, Evander Holyfield had the, 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 the science and the, the level of, of, of contemporary nutrition uh, guiding. And, and the, the science of stressing the body, resting the body, of breaking down muscle tissue, using uh, machines like Nautilus, where, where weights were always banned. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have a fighter use these uh, machines or weights or so because it tightens your muscles up. Well, Jack Dempsey stayed away from them, but he would do the old things with lifting uh, uh, logs or rocks or chopping wood and you know, building his strength raw like that. So you had... You had the old school in Jack Dempsey versus the new school in Evander Holyfield. And not to say, but Evander Holyfield was kind of from the old school, too, which was part of his foundation. So he did the things that were natural to, to, to older fighters, and that was his foundation. It wasn't until the, the contemporaries that said, hey, we could help you gain weight uh, uh, through nutrition and legal sup supplements. Uh, and we could do this. We could help your, your physical conditioning by putting you on this uh, regimen or this machine, sprinting, doing intervals, doing things instead of just a jog. So, you know, it was it was interesting contrast in training styles and to see which fighter would prevail out of out of one bout or 100 bouts would be an interesting test to see how significant the old school versus the new school. Dax, um, both fighters uh, had some strengths and weaknesses that would come into play in this. Tell us about those. Well, the one thing that was the strengths and weaknesses would, again, be the era in which each guy was from. Um, despite the fact that both guys um, were relentless inside that ring, Evander Holyfield, his, his biggest strength was his come-forward style, his, his incredible conditioning, and the fact that he was able to go in there and use that against bigger men like a Riddick Bowe or even a Lennox Lewis. And um, the fact that Evander Holyfield was able to wear guys down who were known for being harder punches, like a, a Mike Tyson, let's uh, say. Um, Jack Dempsey, you know, also who's known for being, you know, this vicious puncher, um, like Evander Holyfield, if he had to dig deep, he would. As you mentioned before, um, Bill Brennan in uh, Jack's second title defense. Um, he's bleeding from the ear profusely, and um, you know he comes from and wins that twelfth round knockout. So you know they're very similar in, in that in that stage. In my opinion, what would be the key though would also be the error. Which error were they fighting in? Were they fighting in the modern era where you had some sort of uh, some more uh, rules where you know you had that neutral corner where you weren't allowed to uh, hit behind the head, to wear no kidney punches, or was it going to be more or less the all out uh, style that Dempsey was used to when? he first turned pro and that in my opinion would really take effect um, on who the winner of this was because Evander Holyfield if you watched in a lot of his fights despite the um, 
the criticism that Evander used his head as the third arm. He really didn't like, you know, to get into that down and dirty style despite the heart. But, you know, Evander Holyfield definitely was a more technical boxer, but Jack Dempsey was more or less the guy, as uh, Sal stated, you know, who started his career, you know, fighting inside of uh, bar rooms. You know, he's the guy that pretty much said, you know something, this is how it's going to be. You know, if, if, if need be, we'll turn this into a boxing fight, uh, boxing match later, but right now we're going to fight. And I'm not really sure if Evander Holyfield uh, had that mentality, the fight mentality, despite the warrior heart. So that, in my opinion, is the most important thing about this fight. But Evander Holyfield, definitely the more key fighter, I mean, the more uh, technical fighter, yet Jack Dempsey was uh, definitely more the relentless fighter when it came to terms of viciousness. Good point. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you my predictions, and we'll get the predictions from uh, both Dax and uh, Sal. Oh, boy. And then oh I'm going to tell you how the game, uh, uh, how title belt saw it. And unfortunately, like I said, Alex can't be with us today because he's uh, by candlelight right now, and his batteries are all gone. So uh, uh, the storm has uh, hit this northeast pretty bad. But uh, first and foremost, Evander Holyfield, you know, I was I got to admit I, I was never a huge huge Evander Holyfield fan maybe because I was more of a Tyson uh, Mike Tyson fan and I also met Evander several times and he's not the nicest guy you ever want to meet he's kind of mean but with all that said not that it matters Evander Holyfield had the best recuperative powers I have ever seen in uh, in a fighter uh, this was a guy that the, the fight that sticks out the most for me was the George Foreman fight. George Foreman had him, knocked him across the ring. If if any time I saw a fighter where the ropes held him up, not only did they hold Evander up, but he was, like, tangled in him, too. And and, and the time it took for George, all George had to do, it was like it was like a Bugs Bunny film. All he had to do was blow on, on Evander, and he would have fallen down, and the fight would have been over. But the time it took Big George to plot across that ring to get to Evander, who was leaning up against the ropes, Evander already recovered, and the rest is history. Evander recovered quicker than anybody. And like Dax just said, he clearly had the better uh, boxing style. This was a guy that was a, a technically sound fighter. And like Sal suggested, he took advantage of the modern training techniques. I remember watching footage of him training and building up his neck. One of the first things that they wanted him to do to, to be able to perform in the heavyweight division was have a strong neck muscles. And they worked on that relentlessly. And the, the results were, were proven. He going into this fight with Jack Dempsey, he would have a one and a half inch reach advantage and I'm sorry, a one inch reach advantage and a one and a half inch height advantage, which really um, doesn't uh, uh, doesn't come into play. I think Evander Holyfield uh, would have uh, been a guy that would try to have outboxed Jack Dempsey, but Jack Dempsey's style would have lured Evander into what anybody that was willing to exchange with Evander would get lured into, and that would be a toe-to-toe -to -toe brawl. Jack Dempsey, that's what he liked the best. He was relentless. He was a guy that came in throwing punches crazily. Um, he wasn't as refined of a fighter as uh, Evander Holyfield. And as far as recovery power, um, you know, not that he was hurt too often, but I don't think that he did have the recovery power of Evander Holyfield. Uh, I don't think the height or reach advantage that Holyfield uh, had would have uh, uh, came into play. And I certainly don't think that Evander Holyfield's bigger size in terms of 
girth and weight would have come into play. Like I said earlier, um, you know, Jack Dempsey has has knocked out uh, bigger guys uh, throughout his career. How do I see this fight going? Well, I see this fight going exactly how most people probably do. I think Jack Dempsey will come out and make this a brawl. Evander Holyfield would love it. I think Jack Dempsey would drop Evander Holyfield a couple of times. I think Holyfield will drop Dempsey a couple of times. But I think in the end, which would win, and, and I think that an important factor is we look at these fights as if they would be happening today. And I think that if this fight took place today, Jack Dempsey would win this fight by a TKO. I think that his uh, viciousness and the way he threw punches would cut up uh, uh, Evander and it would cause a stoppage. If this fight took place back in the early 1900s and it was a fight to the finish, maybe I have a different opinion. But right uh, right now, with this magic boxing machine we have, uh, I'm picking Jack Dempsey to beat uh, Evander Holyfield by stoppage. Um, who's uh, Who wants to go next? Okay, Sal, you go next. <laughs> okay. I would see this fight along the same strengths and weaknesses as, as as you both have suggested. And, you know, I would actually see that Jack Dempsey would go out there and want to have a brawl right in the middle of the ring as it, the two fighters met. And I, I think that I, what I would see, Bill, is that Evander Holyfield, as we also spoke of, would realize that he's got a puncher in front of him and he can trade and, and punch with the best of them. He has. But I think he would also look at the fact that, hey, I'm also a pretty slick boxer. I utilize the jab. I utilize certain things. I do faint. I do do things. I'm going to try and move on the outside and pick him apart first off, and uh, then we'll get into the brawl when I wear him down like a matador and a bull. So based on that kind of scenario, I would see if there was an initial fight. Uh, I would see that the fight that would take place would go just the way I just suggested. I think they would meet in the middle of the ring. Evander would assess the, the, the way it's going to go as far as them both exchanging and being uh, being toe-to-toe. And I think he would step back and assess where he is and, and try to box a little bit from the outside uh, and pick apart Jack Dempsey. Can he do this over a 15-round period or a 12-round period, depending on what era they, they would fight? and have this relentless mauler coming at you at all times, taking your heart away. I think it would be a war. I think it would have been a hell of a fight. And I think when you look at two gladiators willing to put their life on the line and fight to the death and fight to the end, I, I think it would be a hell of a fight. I'd like to call it a draw. Okay. We got Sal predicting a draw. <laughs> Dax, what do you got, my man? Oh, 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 the first fight would be a draw. But I think Vander Holyfield, on his technical side, I think he would learn more from the first fight and apply it to the second, third, or fourth. But go ahead. So I don't know what what, what do you what do you what, what do you decipher that Sal is trying to predict in this fight, Dax? Because I, I I see him saying a whole bunch of nothing. He sounds like a, a Charlie Brown teacher. Wah 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 wah. Who are you <laughs> picking to win the fight? I I picked Dempsey. Who did you pick? As I say, because of his superior conditioning, I would have to say Evander Holyfield. Remember, Evander Holyfield, 
again, I stress, he went in there with a Riddick Bowe, who's a very big guy, and he's, uh, you know, he was a hard puncher, and he was a very solid boxer. Uh, same thing with Lennox Lewis, who was an even a bigger guy and a harder puncher. And Evander Holyfield uh, managed to go in there and take their best. Um, you know, uh, of course, you have to understand that this was those guys at their prime, and this was not the Evander Holyfield of uh, when he lost to James Tony or the Evander Holyfield, who was losing to a lot lesser guys. And so, you know, uh, when you uh, add those in, you add in the boxing ability, that's why, you know, I have to go with, with Evander Holyfield uh, clearly. And, um, you know, not that Jack Dempsey wouldn't have his moments, but of course, you know, Evander Holyfield, you know, in the end, in my opinion, would come out on, on top. You know, the most important, the most intriguing part about this real quick that, you know, um, to me with this fight is even though they seem like exact opposites, these guys have maybe perhaps more in common than any other two heavyweights that I can think of over the past hundred years. You know, they both, you know, b between uh, their careers, you know, involving politics, you know, Jack Dempsey came in just after World War One ended. Uh, he was in here during the Roaring Twenties. Um, Evander Holyfield, uh, you know, he was the guy that uh, everybody looked at, you know, more or less as, as the idol, the hero of the world. It was even okay for countries that lost in World War One to sit there and look at this guy and say, you know what, this is the, uh, the epitome of a man that, you know, this is, you know, a guy that we should aspire towards because back then in Dempsey's era, he was the heavyweight champion. There was only one heavyweight champion. Um, Evander Holyfield, the guy that, um, you know, managed to, um, you know, he was uh, shorted in the uh, 1984 Olympics. It was a time when uh, Russia, uh, um, Germany, and some of these other countries, they boycotted that, you know, and Evander Holyfield, you know, much like Jack Dempsey, had to fight his way up through and, 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 and get this uh, type of recognition. Uh, and, you know, and uh, do something different than everybody else of his era was doing, which was uh, Vander Holyfield at the time came along when you had the Mike Tyson, you had a Riddick Bow and that bad boy image. And because it was camp, he always waited until whatever took place inside the ring to be what defined him, not on the outside. Uh, you know, the winner of this, you know, in my opinion, would definitely be the guy who set the tone. If you took this fight and, you know, you put it back in, say, the Dempsey era, or you put this in the 1950s, whoever came out ahead would actually be the guy that set the mold for the heavyweight champion, you know, how we perceive the heavyweight champion. You know, that's, you know, the greatest position at one point in time in all of sports. Uh, the heavyweight champion, you know, whoever owned that belt, you know, was almost of a mythological type character, um, you know, a mythical, uh, fictional type character, you know, the only thing more mighty than the heavyweight champion might have been a, uh, a Greek Titan or a fictional superhero like a, um, a Superman, uh, you know, so Jack Dempsey and Evander Holyfield both fit that mold perfectly, and despite being the exact opposites, you know, the winner of this would actually decide exactly, you know, what do you want out of the heavyweight champion? Do you want that quiet, reserved man who just always goes in there and he just takes care of business, he smiles to the camera, he shakes people's hands, much like a, um, a Joe Lewis did, or even a Rocky Marciano, a man of few words, or uh, Jack Dempsey, who was always inside that public light, a guy who always uh, went out there and uh, wore the, the clothes of the era, a guy who was always seen in the uh, the big, uh, the most, the hottest night spots, the guy who was always seen um, with the most expensive bottles of wine, you know, more or less, he was a, um, you know, like a, a Mike Tyson in, in uh, his years, uh, you know, more or less. He was like a uh, but uh, Max Bear. You know, w which guy did you really want out there representing this sport and representing the world, the heavyweight champion of the world? And Evander Holyfield and Jack Dempsey, whoever came out on top of this, would actually set that and, and create that mold for every fighter afterwards. And every fighter after him wouldn't have to be sold like we see fighters nowadays have to be sold. They have to create these images. They have to be promoted. As long as you carried yourself like the winner of this fight, you would never have to be sold and every fight you were in would be a pay-per-view blockbuster you would actually be in every fight as if it was being promoted by Tex Rickard and that's what you know the significance of this fight would be in my opinion
Phew. I, I was taking a breath for you. I don't know how you do it. You, you must have uh, <laughs> Dax's uh, man. You're a good swimmer. Can you swim underground, underwater pretty good or what? I think so, so. So let me get this straight. The official predictions are Dax, you're picking Holyfield. Sal, you picked a draw. And, uh, and I'm picking uh, Dempsey. So, Unbelievable. Uh, Look at us. Three different decisions from three different guys. This, I can't believe it. This is good. The this odd is good. part about that is, Sal, is every trivia question, your answer is Jack Dempsey. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know what that's good. right. Oh, my I God. I forgot about it. You know you, that's funny. That's that, funny. That, I, that I, is so funny. I forgot you know, that. I should have been so in tune in that. That should have been my canned answer to be uh, Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey? You're right. I forgot like all about that. Field. When he's with uh, when he's in the classroom back to school, when it when, when, Four? when he gives the answer, he's like four. Four. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, so we got uh, 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 Alex really went out of his way to run these simulations, and uh, he's been out of electric since yesterday. So not only did he run it, but he got a hold of one of the powers that be from the title bout and had him run the simulations and he did now uh the way we do this is we do a uh one-time fight where we put them in and we get the initial result of the the computer uh facing you know having these guys face each other once and then we put them in a hundred times so here uh is the uh results for the first time when uh dempsey fights uh, evander holyfield my man, Jack Dempsey, wins by an 11th round knockout. He drops Evander once in the ninth and puts him on the deck four times in the 11th round. And Mills Lane was the referee in that fight. Wow. And he countered him out. Now, when they meet a hundred times, a hundred times, Dempsey dominates. He wins 85 times, 14 what? times Holyfield wins. And wow. Sal, who picked a draw along with somebody in the chat room, between these two fighters, 100 times, they had one draw. Uh, Holyfield scored seven knockouts in his 14 wins. Uh, Dempsey scored 67 in his 85 de wins. Uh, wow. According to these guys, he says uh, Dempsey uh, totally uh, hammered um, Evander Holyfield. And that's how the title bout championship computer wow. game sees this fight. Um, you know, we've uh, all accepted uh, how the computer does it. The one thing I, I will question uh, with the computer guys, and, and I know we got to go, but the one thing I will question simply is the fact that Evander Holyfield was such a warrior. How did they have Dempsey just totally uh, annihilating him so many times is, is beyond me. But it, it does show that Dempsey was a, a very talented fighter. And he, you know, the misconception that everybody was so much smaller than him uh, is not true. Uh, real quickly, uh, Dax, what did you think of the uh, results from the computer? Wrong ref. I, I don't know. Um, you know, the, how, how that came out, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I'm surprised um, how the, uh, the game figured that out or came up with that prediction, but um, I, I still stick with the fact that Evander Holyfield over the, over the stretch would have won that fight. Sal, what did, what did you think of the uh, results from the computer? I could I could see the initial. I, I could see the initial fight, but I'm surprised with the 100 fights because I would, like I suggested, I would think that Evander Holyfield could have learned a lot more from the first fight and uh, would have applied what he learned throughout the rest of the fights they had. I think... Um, 
I, what I was okay. going to say real quick is because we got to take a break. But what I was going to say is I think I think Coach just made really just has the the answer for us guys. The reason why I think the computer and I agree with Coach. The reason like why the computer said, yeah. uh, is uh, has picked him, and the reason why I picked Dempsey, and and I mentioned this, but I think that Coach is right. The willingness of Evander to stand and trade and Dax not utilize his boxing ability would have been to Dempsey's advantage. Uh, that, you know, uh, Holyfield was easy to coax into a brawl. And in this matchup, uh, the computer uh, stats uh, show that Dempsey uh, would have come out on top, and I and I wow. agree with that. I agree I that, that that um, I could see that now. Yeah, I, well, no, but what I'm saying is I agree with Coach that if if Evander Holyfield, because he clear, I mean, we all three of us got to agree that Holyfield had the better boxing Warrior. ability, right? Yes. I mean, I I yes. think so. That's what I that's you know. what I thought he would utilize. Yes, well, that's he, why I gave him the majority. Well. Well, you picked a draw. So. No, but a majority afterwards. I oh, yeah. He would have yeah. went more. <laughs> but afterwards. afterwards yeah. Yeah. After he heard the answer. You know, he's a, he's typical. You know what? He, he took those punches from Bo. He took the, the big right hands from Lennox Lewis. Um, You know, Riddick Bo, a harder puncher than uh, Jack Dempsey. And uh, Riddick Bo hit him a lot, not just once or twice. And Lennox Lewis, that right hand of his, uh, you know, when, when Lennox Lewis landed that big right hand, may, may have been, you know, the hardest single right hand in the history of all of boxing. So Holyfield was able to stand up to that during his prime. I don't see Jack Dempsey uh, wearing Holyfield down. And I definitely don't see Jack Dempsey stopping Holyfield with one single punch. Well, let me tell you this, though. I think that Dempsey's volume of punches was way more than Bo or or Lennox Lewis or any of any of those guys, but I do agree that the uh, all out power, the one punch power, uh, you you got to lean towards the bigger guy than uh, than Dempsey. But his his uh, windmill attack uh, may have uh, may have uh, gotten the best. But guys, another great job. And, and, and again, the error. That's the important part. Which error were they fighting? Well, in? Mills. If Mills Lane was the referee, you know they were in more of a modern era, but. Um, Mills Lane, 150 years old. That's right. <laughs> we always wondered how old he was. Dax, you, you, you imagine Mills saying, let's get on. We're going to take a short break, fellas. Dax, thanks a lot, and uh, I look forward to the next one. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we will be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy's. Billy Interact with the show at com. Oh, that's my cue, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're back. You're watching and listening uh, to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. We just got done with uh, our second episode of uh, Billy C.'s Magic Boxing Machine, and it was a good one. And I had a comment. Uh, somebody was uh, uh, in one of the chat rooms telling me, oh, well, Vander is too big, much bigger, and blah, blah, blah. But he's not. I did all of the stats. So go back and uh, uh, listen to the uh, uh, first part of that uh that segment and you'll see because i pointed out he only had an inch and a half height advantage and as far as weight eh, you know he averaged maybe 10 pounds heavier 
than Dempsey. So uh, the size was not going to uh, make a big difference in that one. But uh, what a great matchup that would have been, Sal. But uh, oh, anyway, we got a couple of more emails. You ready? Yes, sir. The politician, Sal Rocky Senecola. Hey, man. They're calling you Sal Reagan. <laughs> they're, call, they're calling you Sal Reagan in the chat room. But uh, hey. uh, <laughs> well, we got to go again. Yeah, we got, uh, uh, we got a couple from uh, my man, uh, Mitch. And he says, uh, hey, Billy C., tell your friend who emailed you the other day that Wilder had been down a couple of times uh, in his pro career that it's actually won officially. Uh, he says, uh, in a fight, you'll see Dustin Nichols appear to land a punch. You have to stop right when it happens to see it graze him. And Wilder went down, but it was ruled a slip. Uh, he says, but the real fight uh, when he was down was with Harold uh, Sconiers. Uh, every time someone posted on YouTube, someone uh, has it removed. He got caught, dropped, and was almost out in the second round. Wilder uh, dropped Harold in the first Harold dropped him really hard in the second. The thing about the knockdown is is that Harold hits about as hard as the heavyweight version of Chris Bird. He's feather-fisted. He'll have time to buy a copy of the fight uh, from uh, someone to see it, but when he does, he'll understand that both Wilder and AJ uh, have their share of flaws that can be exploited, and either one of them can go out uh, at any point when they fight, which I agree with. Um, he says, uh, Scorner's had him gone. Uh, he says, uh, I am uh, definitely ordering that fight. He says, uh, the PBC is going WWE. He says, uh, Ortiz said he just so happened to see uh, Wilder uh, at his fight, so he called him out in the ring in front of the crowd. That was uh, the WWE move to set up the uh, Wilder-Ortiz fight several months back. He says, then Sean Porter, uh, a guy who's been classy his entire life, steps out of character and jumps into the ring to talk smack to Danny Garcia. If it was anyone else but Sean Porter, I'd say okay. But it seemed totally awkward because of his usual usual classy demeanor. Uh, next up, look at Jacobs and Charlo. Now Broner is calling out Thurman. Uh, had Al had them uh, do this WWE stuff from the beginning and cut the meaningless Bounce TV and Fox Sports 1 fights out, maybe the PBC would have had something at this point. But he waited until all the other people's money ran out, and now we have, now we have his desperate move to go WWE on everyone. Sad thing is, the young boxing demographic are falling for it. You know, Sal... I can't agree more. Um, I know. They do seem to fall for that. You know, it's like when you get into the conversation with a young kid about, uh, you know, professional wrestling and, you know, they look at you with, with you know, seriousness in, in their eyes, believing that it's that it's real. And, um, you know, we know that that's not the case. And boxing is taking a turn to WWE. Now, I'm not suggesting that the fights themselves are predetermined. I don't want to believe that. I never hope I ever think that. Um, but leading up to it and all the he said, she says, and all the, the, the ways that they're trying to sell tickets is 100% WWE. And what bothers me about that is people are so quick to tell me, Sal, that they cop. Oh, they're just copying Ali. Ali did it. But the difference, like you and I have said, is Ali backed up what he said he was going to do. The guy would say, I'm going to do this and do that, and try it his damnedest to make it happen. These guys say all kinds of stuff and do nothing of the sort. Nothing. What's your thoughts? 
Well, I, I, sh- I share a lot what you're saying there, and and uh, I will tell you, it, it surprises me. It, it still shocks me when I see how these fighters are coming into the ring. It's almost like, you know, they're 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 putting on a a show with different costumes and outfits. Uh, one's an executioner, one's this and that. It, it almost looks, I don't know, it just looks bizarre. I mean, I mean, boxing. What I loved about boxing, it's one of the oldest, rawest sports there could be. And, and and now when you see uh, the fighters marching into the ring uh, with with all the music or the hoods or the masks and the capes and this and that, it's it's entertainment. And I know that. I know that's what they're going for and everything else and the shock value and everything else. But it's just hard for me to really uh, see because it does mimic a little bit of the WWE uh, Wrestling Federation, you know? Well, you know, I, I tell you the truth. Um, I know what you're saying, uh, but the ring walk and and the ring entrances have always been always somewhat been extravagant. Um, I mean, Macho Hector Macho Camacho. Hector was, Macho he was, Camacho. I mean, nobody nobody was better than Prince Hasim Ahmed. I mean, he had the best. I, when he came in on a magic carpet, I mean, that was that was the best. But I tell you, uh, Jorge Arce. Came in, he rode a horse to the ring once, sucking well, on a lollipop. I'm saying, I, yep. mean, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the old school or, or, or my generation. You see fighters coming with the hoods over there, with the of, of their of their robe over their heads, coming in, just marching to the beat and walking up into the ring or with a little trot, and and, and that's it. <laughs> and then you know, like you said, now it's it's a WWE. You have Prince Ahmed on the flying carpet. You got Hector Camacho with all kinds of uh, 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 fanfare, whatever it was, and 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 I mean it's 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 not taken it's not taken away. I don't say it's bad in any way, shape, or form. It's entertainment. It's shock appeal. It's a lot of things. But what it also reminds me of was your question. It mimics a little bit of the WWE for me. Right. No, I I got you. listen. I don't mind the ring walks. I don't care. They can no. get as extravagant as it's they fine. want. Well, but what bothers me, them, but what bothers me is when they say, "I'm going to do this." Oh, when I get you in the ring, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that blah, 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 blah. and then they run. I'm going to Oh, this is going to be a war. It's toe to toe. I'm knocking him out. Somebody's getting knocked out. And then they dance around and hug each other for 12 rounds. And then we, oh, well, you know, hey, I did my best. You know, where's my participation trophy? You know, I mean, you know, I, that's the part that I don't. I, but as far as the ring walks and stuff, hey, more power to them. I mean, they got, they got uh, you know, rappers coming down, doing a live performance on their way out. Know. You know, um, hey, more. Hey, in Germany, they, uh, what was it? Uh, um, they had a, a triumph, I think, was uh was I think Triumph was a was a German band, and uh, they they would have them playing a rock and roll band playing in between rounds and and for ring walks they were live doing a performance down there so so I'm okay with that in Canada no, I'm, I'm okay with it but yeah you like in, said, Canada, you in Canada in Canada I think it reminds me of WWE right in Canada they have the uh, the girls dancing in between rounds. It's kind of they have these gorgeous girls a lot of times dancing in a cage, right? And uh, and oh my and, and when, when, almost like almost like uh, uh, was that football movie with Keanu Reeves? I love it. Gene Hackman called the replacements with the cheerleaders. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is you're watching a fight in between rounds. They, these girls would be raised up and they're dancing. They're you know go go dancing in in like a cage. 
and you can't like they're, they're so hot you can't even you can't even not pay attention to them and then all of a sudden they go down the lights go up and, oh, oh that's right i'm out of fight i'm out of fight i'm not as i thought i was at a strip club you know but uh anyway you gotta go to canada if you've never been to canada for a fight go go to specifically montreal go to montreal but uh anyway another email this one's from joel he says, hey, Billy C., I was curious about your and Sal's opinion about Josh Kelly, the 2016 Olympian facing former title holder Carlos Molina on the Anthony Joshua Joseph Parker undercard. There's also speculation of Carlos Takeim uh, potentially fighting Derek Chisora next, which is an interesting fight, even though I feel uh, at this stage Takeim uh, will uh, soundly beat Chisora. What's your thoughts? Um, you know, we, we were just talking about this earlier. Josh Kelly was a successful Olympian last year or actually the year before now. Uh, and, you know, they're testing them early. This is something different that I like in Europe that they don't do in the U.S. Basically, they don't have the you-know-whats in the U.S. because also of a comment from an earlier email, everybody's afraid to get that loss. You know, they think they're going to lose value. This is why uh, the specifically English boxing has taken over the sport because the fighters are more willing to fight. They're more willing to take chances. They're more willing to risk things. And as they've proven to us, it does not hurt their careers or their financial situation. It does not hurt. It may appear to hurt, but it really doesn't. All you got to do is look at Deontay Wilder. Made his first $2 million payday last week against Luis Ortiz in his first real fight. And, and Anthony Joshua, who we always seem to be comparing those two, uh, has made, you know, $20 million already, you know, and he's got, like Sal pointed out, half the fights. So, you know, who's doing better? You know, come on. If, if you're going to weigh out the money, which I don't like to do, who's doing better financially? You know, who's taking more risk? I don't care if you're fighting the milkman. When you get in that ring, you're taking a risk. So the truth That's of the right. matter is that old saying, risk versus reward, you're better off making the bigger money for less fights than fighting five fights to equal that kind of money that you could have made in one fight. It makes no sense because especially in the heavyweight division, it could happen uh, anytime. I don't have a problem with Josh Kelly, who, by the way, in my opinion, is the real deal of fighting Carlos Molina. It's a tough fight, but you'll get a good feel on where Josh Kelly as a pro is right now. As far as the speculation of Carlos uh, Takam fighting Derek Chisora, Derek Chisora has become that guy. He's become the guy that is a gauge to test. And I think that, that what that fight is going to do, because Carlos Takam has already been around for a while, and, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need a gatekeeper, so to speak. But the, what I see in that particular fight is I see, if it happens, I see the potential of w the winner getting another fight to move on and the loser maybe uh, hanging him up. Uh, that's what I see in that fight. Two guys that are seemingly close to the same level. And let's not forget, Carlos Takam went to distance. Oh, no, he, did he go to distance? Oh, no, they stopped it. But uh, he was doing pretty well against AJ uh, in AJ's last fight. And again, Sal, this was something I pointed out earlier on this show. AJ didn't have experience fighting a shorter guy. Remember how much shorter Carlos Takam was? He had trouble with that guy. Absolutely. And let me tell you, I, I, I from my own experience, I, I – I love fighting, and I look forward to fighting anybody taller than me. I mean, whether it was six inches or almost a foot, I didn't care. 
I only had trouble when I when I would once in a while fight a guy my size or shorter. So you made a good valid point, and I could see that being something that you know when you're not used to it, you 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 adjust and you adapt your style. Yeah, you got to start sparring, you got to start hitting guys, uh, and and getting your range on a whole nother style of fight. A fighter that's shorter than you, or your fighter that's taller than you, or a fighter your own height. You know, when 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 these guys, especially in in the heavyweight division today. When you got a guy that's six five, six six, six seven, six eight, Tyson Fury six eight, you know you got Jeez. guys that are that big, and they're they're fighting, you know, heavyweights that are monsters compared to me and Sal and most people when they're six two, six three, even six four, it's a monster. It's a guy that you know I'm I'm looking up to, and uh, they step in the ring, and these fighters are actually punching downward at a six four guy. And yeah, all of a sudden, you, all of a sudden, you put him in against a six foot guy, where they have six, seven, eight inches on him. Um, you know, you gotta throw your punches differently. Then all of a sudden, you're in the ring with a guy the same size as you. The jab. Well, Tyson Fury used to throw his jab from way down by his waist, and he had to change that because as he started moving up. Uh, with the level of competition he was facing, he started seeing that the guys he was fight facing were bigger. And if he continued to throw his jab from the point at which he was in the beginning of his career, other fighters today would be nailing him before the jab even reached their target. You know, and, and that's a lot of concern I have for Deontay. Going back to Deontay, Sal, with his lack of, of boxing skill, um, uh, at some point it's it's going to catch you. You would think it's going to catch up to him at some point. The question is, are there any heavyweights aside from Anthony Joshua that would test him? I, you know, that that's the million-dollar question, you know? Absolutely. No, that's a good point. And it's just like, you know, I used to love, as you did too, Mike Tyson because he was a shorter heavyweight and he fought like a light, like a smaller heavyweight. He, he bobbed, he weaved, he was explosive, he was on the inside, he was doing all the right things. And he had no problem with taller guys. Um, up until the end, you know, but uh, but I mean, on his early pathway in early years, he was relentless, and and you know he uh, he dismantled and did whatever he had to do. But there's not too many other fighters that Mike Tyson had a face that were his own size. No, no, that's a good point. And and uh, Mike Tyson's not that big uh, no, of a guy. Five ten, you know? five eleven, right? Oh, that's, they say five eleven. When 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 I was when I was with him at the Turning Stone, five uh, nine and a half. I, I swear to God, I didn't seem that much bigger than me. I, I would bet he's five ten at the most, at the most. Yeah. But Marciano, uh, same thing. Uh, anyway, uh, listen, I got two more emails that I I won't get a chance to read today. One from the return of the other Alex. We got an email from my man uh, Alex T and uh, my man Johnston. Uh, so we'll get to you guys uh, tomorrow. Uh, and uh, so uh, don't worry. If you take the time to write us an email and send it to me, Billy at Talking Boxing, uh, that's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, I'll take the time to read it uh, on air. So uh, make sure you do that. And speaking of making sure, uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na